Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to Ethos. If you look newer, my name is Jordan and my wife Courtney and I have the amazing privilege of being the lead pastors here and we're so glad, so thrilled that you would take some time to be with us today wherever you are watching or listening or tuning in from. We, we, we're just honored that you would create some space in your life to make God a priority and to be a part of this community here at Ethos. And if you are newer, if we can serve you in any way, in fact, if you've been coming here for any length of time, if we can do anything for you, you need prayer, there's a need that you need met in your life, we're here for it, man. We, we've got you and we want you to know that we've got your back, that we're in this thing together. If you are newer, one of the things that you're going to discover about Ethos is that you're going to meet some of the most generous people that you've ever run into. And that's been on full display over the last few weeks. Just two weeks ago, we received our legacy offering, which is like our once, once a year offering. where We kind of go above and beyond our normal giving and we say, God, what do you want us to give? so that we can give it all away. And there's a few organizations that we're partnering with. We call them our 2020 Legacy Partners. And we wanna highlight two of them today, two organizations that we're giving to. We wanna highlight two of them today. One is Young Life. Some really good friends of ours, Taylor and Grady Dalzell, are gonna share and give us a little bit of update on what Young Life's all about and what God's been doing through their mission. Another one is Adventure Church, which is just up the road from us and where we meet, and they are in the process of getting ready to break ground on a brand new building that's gonna allow them to reach even more people in our own backyard right here. And we're so, we're so honored just to be in this journey with them, and we love the local church, man. We wanna put our money where our mouth is. We literally believe that every church that's preaching and teaching the truth about Jesus is a church that we can get behind, that we can support, and we can be all about. So go ahead and check out these two organizations that we are partnering with through our legacy partners this year. What's up, Ethos Church? My name is Kyle Hammond. I am the lead pastor here at Adventure Church, just down the road uh, from where your church is located. And this week, uh, Pastor Jordan uh, informed me of the generous gift that you have uh, contributed to the next initiative, uh, what we have here at Adventure Church. Uh, that really goes to support uh, all of our outreach ministries, uh, the new building that we're trying to build in our community. And I just want to say, one, how overwhelmed we are uh, that a church that's so close to us would believe in us so much. And I love that about your pastor and just about the heart of your church is that it's not about competing with other churches in the community. It's about collaborating and working together uh, to build God's kingdom, not ours, to build his. And uh, since the day I met Pastor Jordan, well before uh, Ethos Church even started, he's always had that heart. And it's so amazing to see that and to be a part of a community that has churches like Ethos in it. So from me uh, and our entire team and our entire church, we just wanna say thank you uh, for really believing in the mission of God beyond just what he's doing through ethos because he's doing amazing things, but what he's doing in our community and world at large. And just know that your generosity uh, will make a huge difference in the mission that God has given us of helping people discover new life in Christ. And many, many, many lives will be changed because of your faithfulness in the way that you've honored God and your generosity. So we love you, we thank you, and we are in this together with you and can't wait to see how God uses our church and Ethos Church to reach people in our community. God bless you guys. Hey Ethos, Grady Dalzell here. This is my wife Taylor. Hi guys. This is Graham. 
And, uh, anyway, just want to take a second and say thank you so much uh, for your participation in the legacy offering. Um, we are on staff with an organization called Young Life. We attend Ethos, uh, but we also work for an organization called Young Life, uh, which is a part of the legacy offering. And um, basically what Young Life is, it focuses around trained adults uh, spending time in the world of kids, meeting them where they're at, no matter where they're at, no matter what they think about Jesus, to earn the right to be heard in relationship, to share with them about who Jesus is and why that might matter. Uh, even throughout COVID, we have over 300 volunteer leaders all over Columbus, 50 volunteer leaders just up here in Delaware County that spend hours and hours and hours every single week uh, continuing to try to figure out how to be creative, to engage kids, to love them, to meet new kids, to try to earn the right to share with them about Jesus, what he's done, why that might matter. Uh, and God has still been moving in really amazing ways, even through COVID. Yeah, it's been really fun to see uh, leaders just continue to lean in and relationships that they have with kids um, and grow in deeper discipleship uh, during this season with kids, reading the Bible with them, um, finding creative ways to meet their friends and be with them, um, as well as share the gospel with kids that don't yet know Christ. Um, we got to, this past month, do a citywide scavenger hunt that was virtual um, and have a blast with kids and then get to share the gospel with them at the end of the night. And we got to see kids in our area decide to follow Christ for the first time just in this last month, um, including a freshman girl at Orange that I got to go on a walk with and process the gospel with and pray with to start a relationship with Jesus. So God is on the move. It is awesome. Um, we are so thankful for how you've contributed to what God is doing. Yeah. On behalf of kids that literally are meeting and engaging Christ every week, families who don't, are far from Christ that are experiencing his love through these leaders, through what's happening in their kids' lives. Thank you. I can't overstate the ripples of what you're doing when you say yes to him with your, your life, your time, your money. Uh, it's a huge deal. We love you. Thankful for you. Hope to see you soon. So because of your generosity, we're able to give $9,000 to both Young Life and Adventure Church. Now, Young Life, we partner with monthly all throughout the year, but during our legacy offering, we're going above and beyond, and we're giving them an additional 9000 so they can just continue to do the work, so we can accelerate the vision of what Young Life is doing in our community. So thank you, Ethos, for being so true to one of our values, which is generosity really is our privilege. And hey, if you're watching on Facebook right now, uh, we'd love it if you would share this. Consider maybe letting your friends and your family know what God is doing right here through Ethos Church. You can just click the share button and that helps us get the message out to even, to even more people. Well, I want to share today from a message entitled, God's Presence Makes All the Difference. And I wasn't planning on teaching this. And really, um, you know, we all know that this past year has been absolutely insane. It's been crazy. And more specifically, let's just talk about the last two weeks. How crazy have the last two weeks been? Election day turned into election week. And furthermore, then uh, COVID cases continue to rise, which create all sorts of uncertainty. And there's all sorts of repercussions that come along with that as well. And just creating within us, once again, like all of this, just these questions. What do we do? Uh, what are the answers? Uh, what direction should we should we take and I just felt impressed all week long. I don't know how else to say it other than I just felt like the Holy Spirit was really kind of asking, hey, I want you to change this. I want you, to, I want you to, to teach in a little bit of a different direction. So before we jump into God's presence makes all the difference, I want us to pray. Heavenly Father, thanks uh, just for these moments that we have to share together as a community here at Ethos, wherever we may find ourselves right now, in our car, at the gym, in our community group. God, just meet us 
right there. Father, we love you because you first love us. And if we don't know of your love, Father, there's anybody who's watching this right now that just needs to be affirmed, just needs to be assured that you are for them, that you're all about them, that you are crazy for them. God, I just pray that you would show them how big and wide, high and long your love is for, for them and just for, for all people. Help us to truly live on mission, to love all people. In Jesus' name, amen. Go Bucks. In fact, I think, I think that some of the worst news that we got is the fact that the Buckeye game got canceled yesterday. But that just, as my friend Ryan Mainwaring reminded me this morning, just means that we have more time to prepare for Indiana this coming weekend. Come on, somebody. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, when I was a kid, anytime that we'd go on road trips, they were like my go-to toys that I would take with me. And more specifically, my go-to books. In fact, uh, I used to love like the Magic Eye book. Do you remember those books? Like they, they were the ones where you couldn't quite tell what the image was on the page. You'd kind of bring the book or the pages really close to your face and maybe even like go cross-eyed just a bit for a moment and pull the pages away. And suddenly you'd recognize like there's a lion on that page. You, you don't remember that? Okay, I actually looked up the word. It's actually called an auto stereogram. It's, I don't know, you can sound real smart to your friends and family tomorrow while you're catching up around the water cooler or on a Zoom call. But, but, but I used to love the Magic Eye books. I haven't even seen the Magic Eye books for years. Maybe they don't use them anymore. Maybe they've discovered that they're bad on children's brains and eyes or what it may be or do. I, I don't know, but, but I love the Magic Eye books. But even more than the Magic Eye, I love the Where's Waldo books. When everybody is familiar with Where's Waldo, I love the Where's Waldo because Waldo was very distinct, right? Like you... You knew that he was going to have the white and red striped shirt with the really cool little beanie and the, the big like hipster glasses and the, and the slimline blue jeans. Like, like Waldo was, he was the man. Like, like Waldo was, was trendy before anybody knew what trendy even was. Like I love the Where's Waldo books. I love trying to find Waldo because he, he stood out just enough on every page that you could kind of search through and recognize like, oh, Right there he is. Waldo was, he was distinguished. That word distinguished, it's, a, it's an interesting word, right? And I've been thinking about this over the last really few months, but I think as followers of Jesus, much like Waldo, yeah, there's some parallels between us and Waldo. Go figure. But we are, we are called to be, we're called to be distinguished. Like there are, there are certain things about, about us, Christ followers, Jesus followers, Christians, it's supposed to be a little bit different. In fact, I've kind of grown concerned just a bit, even as I examine my own life and as I kind of look at what's happening in culture around us today, that we are becoming more, I don't know, maybe we're becoming marked more by media and politics and opinions than we are by God's presence. Because God's presence makes all the difference in our lives. In all of our attempts to be relevant and create environments that are welcoming and have branding that's, that looks good, that's attractive in one sense, we cannot forget that it's still God's presence that separates us, that distinguishes us, that marks us. It's his presence that makes all the difference. In fact, if we go all the way back in the scriptures, and we go to the second book of the Bible, there's Genesis, then Exodus. In Exodus, we're introduced to this man named, named Moses. And Moses is such an interesting character. He's, he's really kind of kind of one of these central figures within Christian history, one of the greatest leaders that ever 
walked the face of the earth, but he wasn't always a great leader. In fact, Moses was born an Israelite, but he was born under the rule of the Egyptians, and the Egyptians were the slave masters of the Israelites. Now, the Egyptians had a law, had an edict that was set, apart, that was set out into all the kingdom that, that said the Israelites could not have children. The Egyptians were concerned that the Israelite population was getting too big, and that if they continued to grow, that eventually they'd take over the nation. And so they said, if you have a child and you are an Israelite, you need to throw that baby into the Nile River. But Moses' mother was kind of a, a rule breaker, and she decided to set baby Moses in a basket, gently in the river, just upstream from where she saw Pharaoh's daughter, the king of Egypt, washing and, and, and doing some of her daily routines. And she watched Pharaoh's daughter pick up the basket with this baby Moses in it. And Pharaoh's daughter really grew an affinity and a love for this baby because she was unable to have a baby herself. And so she took this baby in. She took Moses in. She adopted him as one of her own. But as Moses grew older, he realizes, I don't fit in here. I'm, I'm an Israelite. I'm born kind of bred in one sense for leadership in the Egyptian palace. But I, it's just... It's just not my place. And he's watching his people, the Israelites, he's watching them really be forced into slavery. He's watching them experience the oppression of the Egyptians. And it's just not sitting well with him. In fact, as he grew older, at one point, he became so frustrated with what he saw happening in and around the environment in which he lived. Not much unlike what we experience oftentimes when we see something happening in culture today. We think, I have to do something. I have to make a difference. I have to say something. I have to speak up. I've got to create some change. This is what Moses is experiencing in this moment. In fact, at one point, he actually saw an Egyptian slave master beating an Israelite slave. And he runs to the aid of the slave. And he ends up hitting the Egyptian slave master repeatedly until the point of death. The Egyptian slave master has died. And Moses kind of comes to his sense. He's like, oh my goodness, like what have I done? And he tries to hide the murder that had just taken place. But the very next day, he, he realizes that he had been seen. He had been caught. And so he runs from the consequences of his decision. And a couple decades later, we find him in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. And it says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, anytime that you see that phrase in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the angel of the Lord, it's actually referring to what scholars and theologians call a Christophany, or a Christ epiphany. In other words, it's referring to Jesus Christ. This is Jesus in the Old Testament. It says, the angel of the Lord, or Jesus, appears to Moses in flames of fire from within a bush, and Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it didn't burn up. And so Moses thought, I'm going to go over and I'm going to see this strange sight, why the bush doesn't burn up. This is proof once and for all that men are pyromaniacs and we are obsessed with fire right here. Like, girls, if you really want to get a guy's attention, just light something on fire, stand by it, and you're going to see men flocking to the scene. But it picks up in verse 4. It says, When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, when God saw that the posture of Moses changed, 
when he saw that Moses began to walk towards, towards him, it says God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. See, our posture, it precedes God's presence. We'll come back to that in a moment. But Moses says, Moses says to the voice coming from the bush, here I am. And then God says, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals. For the place where you're standing, again, it's a reference to the posture of Moses. It's holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this point, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, just as you have. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, just as you have. And I'm concerned about their suffering just as you are. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites, it's reached me. And I've seen the way that the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses hesitant to respond in quick obedience to God. He says, who am I? Like, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Like his insecurity is being revealed here. His fear of going and facing his past is being revealed here. And he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I can't do this. And, and I love the reply of God. I love his response here in this moment. It's a response of which I believe that God is speaking to us right now, his people. Specifically to us right now, Ethos Church. God says in verse 12, I'll be with you. Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And in one sense, God is saying, yeah, you're just Moses, but I'll be with you. Because what makes you great isn't you. It's that I will go with you. Now, this sounds kind of trite, even cliche, so let me unpack this just a bit because it's God's presence that makes all the difference in our lives. See, Moses before this moment and Moses after this moment are two completely different men. Moses, before this moment, was trying to make a difference on his own. He sees the oppression of his people, and he takes matters into his own hands. And as a result, he has to run from the consequences of his decision. After this moment, where he realizes that God's presence will be with him, he allows God to make a difference through him. Before this moment, he makes a difference on his own. After this moment, he allows God to make a difference through him. Right now... In our country specifically, even right here in our own city, this is, this is what I see happening before our own eyes. I see Christians speaking separate from God's presence. What we don't need is more opinions. What we need is a word from God. And oftentimes I wonder, I wonder this in my own life, like, like are we pointing people to our agenda, to a political leader, to a political party, to an ideal? Or are we pointing people to Jesus? Like, before you post that next thing on social media, before you send that next article out, before you, before you have that conversation with a friend, like, are you pointing people back to Jesus? 
See, we often try to speak the words of God absent from the tone of God and without the authority of God because I think we've confused knowing about God with knowing God. And I've been asking God, more specifically just over the last two weeks, how do we stay at peace in a time of chronic anxiety? How do we stay together as a church at a time of division and hate? How do we stay faithful to Jesus when at times our nationalism has become our religion? And I believe that the answer is we got to get in His presence. See, Moses became one of the greatest leaders, but he only did so because of his dependency on God's presence. See, 30 chapters later, after Exodus 3, Moses now led God's people for quite some time, for, for about 40 years. And he's about to enter into what God called the promised land, but God actually was disappointed. He was frustrated with some of the decisions that the people of of Israel had made, and he, tell, he told Moses, okay, look, you guys can go now, but I'm not going to go with you. And Moses became so dependent and understood the importance of God's presence to such a great degree that he responded in verse 15 of Exodus 33, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. I don't want to go any further if you're not coming with me. I wonder how many times in our own lives we are so willing to just go, go, go. But we don't slow down long enough to wonder if where we're going is the same place that God is going to. He goes on in verse 16. He says, how will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me? What else is going to distinguish your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? It's God's presence that makes all the difference. I was reading this study that was, that was actually completed in 1970, or rather I was reading this study that was referencing another study that had been completed in the 70s by a professor named Albert Mayrabian. I'm not sure if I said his last name correctly or not, but he was saying that 7% of how we communicate is done through the words that we say. That number 38% is actually communicated through our tone. The remaining 55% of how we communicate is done through our body language. In other words, what he was saying is that, is that most of what we communicate, most of how what we communicate is interpreted, isn't actually in what we say, it's in how we say it. Which quickly speaks to the toxicity that social media can bring about so often because we can hear the tone and we can't see the body language of how it was actually said. But even furthermore, I think it reveals that our posture is really important as it relates to inviting God's presence into our lives. And I want to close with this right here. This is kind of the climax of what we're talking about here. But in Psalm 46, the author, who's credited as the son of Korah, which is interesting because Korah was the nephew of Moses, now, this is the son of Korah. So this is just two, two generations past Moses. And he's writing Psalm 46 at a time when the Assyrian army was actually attacking the people of Israel. And the Assyrians were outnumbering the Israelites. And he was, and even more than that, the Assyrians were widely known as some of the most vicious and well-trained army in the known world at that time. And the Assyrians, as they're about to attack, but they're attacking in Psalm 46, the, the author says... You know, even in the midst of all of this, 
God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we won't fear. Though the earth can give away and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, he concludes in verse 10 by saying, but God says, be still and know that I am God. It's interesting. He doesn't say, be anxious, but know that I'm God. Be foolish on social media, but know that I'm God. Be busy doing, being, becoming, but know that I'm God. He says, be still. And it's in that place, and I'm going to show you, hey, I'm, I'm God, you're not. I looked up this, this word still in the original Hebrew language of which the psalm was, was first written. And oftentimes, the way in which we've translated Hebrew language into English doesn't always translate easily. And that word literally means, that Hebrew word for still literally means relax, let go, and become helpless. To become helpless. In other words, relax, let go, become helpless, and then you'll know that I am God. And I started thinking about this as it relates to just God's presence making a difference in our lives and how our posture really does precede God's presence because even positioning ourselves in such a way where we are just letting God know, like, hey, I recognize right now that I'm, I'm helpless. Whatever situation I may be trying to make a difference in, I'm helpless. And I want you to prove yourself as God because I know that it's your presence working through me that can change the environments in the world around me. But more importantly, it's your presence that changes what's going on within me. And I started thinking about this, that when I'm still, what happens? When I just, when I force myself to sit still, which is really hard for me, like I'm not one that sits still easily. I like to be moving, I like to be doing. I, not always the best at resting and relaxing, but I think that's the thing that God in this season has been teaching me, and I believe it's what He's teaching us. But I've identified four things in my own life that happen when I'm still. The first one is that when I'm still, I can't be in control. That when I'm still, I can't really voice my opinion. That when I'm still, I can't contribute anything, which is really hard for me. And that when I'm still, I can't be important. I can't be seen as the man. That when we are still, we are literally positioning ourselves in such a way where we are saying, God, you do what only you can do. Don't work for God's presence. Work from God's presence. We oftentimes work in a way, we're like, I'm going to do this so I can please God. I think what God is saying, no, no, reverse it. Flip the script. I want you to get in my presence. I want you to work from that place. And I think we have to make a decision right now, right here today. I don't want to do this in my own strength anymore. God, it's your presence. I recognize it's your presence that makes all the difference in the world. And I want to encourage us right now, wherever we are watching this or listening to this, I want to encourage you, even if you're in a community group right now, especially if you're in a community group right now, I want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you just to simply get down on your knees. If you want to know what a life marked by God's presence looks like, take a mental picture of this right here. This is what a life 
that's marked by God's presence looks like. This is what I would call a posture of humility where we say, God, I just want to be still. And I want, I want you to know that I recognize you as God. I want to lead from a place of your presence. I want to lead my family from a place of your presence. I want to lead my community from a place of your presence. I want to lead my school and my campus from a place of your presence. It's God's presence that makes all the difference in our lives. Oftentimes, we we think that it's what happens in the White House that makes a difference. It's what happens in the schoolhouse that makes a difference. It's what happens in the church house that makes a difference. But can I just tell you, it's actually what happens in God's house, you in your heart, the temple of God. It's what happens in here that makes a difference. And I want to challenge us even right now, wherever you are, just to simply, simply get on your knees and allow God's presence to really saturate our lives. See, in our world today, we have so many people who want the kingdom of God. We want the beauty of what comes with the kingdom of God on earth. Even if people don't know who Jesus is, we are all pursuing innately, incessantly, there's something within us that says, I want God's kingdom. I want the beauty of heaven on earth here right now but we try to pursue the kingdom of God but we try to do so without bowing our knees to the king to Jesus you will never experience the kingdom of God unless we first bow our knees to the king to Jesus I'm I'm just I don't don't want to leave my kids from any other place than, than, than from a place of God's presence I don't want to leave this church from any other place than just leading it from God's presence. And I believe that we are called as Christians and as people who commit ourselves to be a part of this community here at Ethos to be marked by God's presence. And I want to challenge us just for the next seven days to start our day off by just spending a few moments just being still You don't have to say anything. You don't even have to pray. You don't have to read anything. But just being still in God's presence. Put a worship song on. Put some instrumental worship on. Put your favorite worship song on. But just be still in God's presence. We're going to start our day like that. So we don't work for God's presence. But we work from God's presence. And just watch how over the next seven days, your anxiety turns to peace all the questions that maybe we still don't have answers for but we feel at peace and we speak from a place of his presence which actually allows us to speak with the wisdom of God so we're gonna we're gonna start our day and listen if if after seven days if you're like Jordan I tried that I practiced that which it is you asked us I, I, I practiced and it didn't I don't feel any different I don't, I don't sense anything different in my life. I don't sense that God's presence is making a difference within me. And I'm not saying that God's presence will instantly change what's happening around you. Sometimes God's presence doesn't change what's happening around us. It changes what's happening within us. And I'm telling you, it will. But if after seven days it doesn't, then, 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 then stop doing it. But I want us to be a people that prioritizes the presence of God 
in our lives. So even right now, we're going to just go into a song. Just for about the next five minutes, our worship team is going to lead us in a beautiful song. And as we do, wherever you find yourself, I just want you to sit there in God's presence. If you want to sing to the song, sing. But allow your posture, if you're able to, if physically you are able to, allow your posture to be that of just being still. Because it's when I bow, I can't freely move. I'm not in control. I'm in a position, I'm in a posture that says, God, show me again, remind me again, reveal to me again.